What's up, everybody? Uh, this is I'm Philippe Santos, and today we have a special guest here, Jamie Knott. Welcome, Jamie, to the show. Thank you, brother, for having me. Absolutely. This is uh, Podcast 00001. And, uh, <laughs> today, I've known Jamie for a little over a couple years right now, and, um, you know, we were just going to get into it. We've, we've developed a relationship. Um, we've done a bunch of things together, too. We know the same people, so... Uh, I thought it was fitting that we just like talk a little bit and hear a little bit about his story and uh, how did he get to where he's at? You know what I mean? What were his beginnings? So if you want to start there, Jamie, so show's all yours. Uh, thank you, brother. First of all, it's a honor, privilege, and pleasure to sit next to you um, and chop it up a little bit. You know all about chopping it up, brother. But uh, how should we start? Well... Uh, I come from humble beginnings in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, normal childhood. If uh, everybody in your family is a drug addict and alcoholic, <laughs> then it's quite normal. If not, then, you know, I feel I, I feel bad for you. Um, so some of the things I remember when I was a kid, you know, playing a lot of sports, running around, just doing normal, normal childhood activity. Some of the other stuff I remember is, you know, Mom getting thrown down the stairs, fucking groceries flying, being left at the front door, mm. told from your father that you're another man's child, you know, and that other man happens to be a one-eyed black man that sits, <laughs> sits at your mom's bar and drinks <laughs> nine hours a day. So, you know, you just take it all on the chin and you use it as fuel and, uh, you know, it, it, it builds character and makes you... Uh, Makes you a makes you a different kind of human being. Makes you unwilling and unable to accept no as an answer. And you know, I've kind of learned how to harness that energy and face it in a positive direction. And um, you know, life is beautiful today, man. Things are just things are just different. Things are just good. Perspective is 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 all I have. Mindset is all I need every day when I wake up. Just the the positive flow and output and outpouring of love from my friends and family and employees is you know keeps me going on a daily basis but um let me let me let me interject really quick yes, so sir. are you uh just to get a little background like are you an only child you had brothers and sisters during that time i have you know, which I one, have were one you? brother he's uh two years and two months older than i am and um no, you pinpoint two years and two months my mom always, my mom always said that so it's just something that stuck with me at 28 days <laughs> <laughs> there's some other shit that yeah, stuck yeah. with me that my mom said too but we'll dig into that a little bit later um my mom worked two jobs as a kid she owned a bar which is where i grew up mm -hmm. it was called lushes it was next to <laughs> the cross great. street market and uh you know i became what i what i knew as a kid yeah. you know i became a a fall down drunk probably by the age of 14. Yeah. You know, the first time I picked it up, I actually was at a meeting last night talking to some childhood buddies, and my neighbor ended up sharing last night. He told his story of uh, experience, strength, and hope, and it was the first time I had ever been to that meeting, and I see this kid every day of my life. You know, it's just there are no coincidences in this world, and it's exactly what I needed at that moment in time. But, um, you know, my brother had a little bit of a rough go, as we both did. Um he is gay and in 1985 in nutley new jersey being gay was not easy <laughs> shit was very hard yeah you know coming from baltimore with an accent yeah. and you know being a little bit different and all that jazz but 
I'm going to back up for a second. And um, my stepfather was actually a bartender at my mom's bar. And he, while he was attending dental school, he was, you know, making, <laughs> <laughs> making some spending money. Yeah. And that's how him and my mom met. Cool. And uh, when he graduated dental school, he uh, proposed to my mom and we moved up to Nutley. They had a family practice in Belleville, uh, Dr. LaLoya. And, uh, you know, here comes the kid with an earring, driving a skateboard with a rat tail and a mohawk, you know, at eight years old. Like, yeah. <laughs> look out, Nutley. You know what I mean? Started breaking so, windows. So you fit right in. Oh, <laughs> I started breaking windows and fist fights like yeah. day two of school, you know, um, because as a kid, you don't know who you are, or why yeah. you're angry or where it comes from. You just know you got a lot of passion and and I, I still have that passion today. But, you know, like I said, I just I understand how and where to use it and, and where to point it. And that's, you know, all positive and all good and all love. So, you know, it's 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 reciprocated at this point in my so, life. So when you moved into Nutley was around what, 85, you said, or something like that? I actually moved into Nutley 80, 88. Idiot. That was from Baltimore straight to, to straight Nutley. from the city to the burbs. And yeah. how how old were you? I was so, eight. You were eight. I was right? eight. So it was very grade. drastic, very urban, very suburban. Oh, very mixed, very Italian. Correct. My wife's from there, so I'm not yeah, say that. super Italian, yeah. bro. Just you know, like every... the floors were lined with pasta. A E I O U. If your name's not ending <laughs> in a vowel, you don't belong in Italian. That's you know, it, and, it was uh, Nato, Jamie Nato. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was how how like. Even if you do fit in, going into a new school, new town, as welcoming as you think they are, you're still the odd person out. No you know doubt I mean? about it. I Listen, I'm a chameleon, bro. I moved seven times before I was six years old because mm. my quote-unquote sperm donor father used to stalk us and he would break into our house. And, yeah. you know, it was it was a crazy scenario. And I didn't find out later on until later on that that actually happened. I just thought it was normal to move all the time. Yeah. So I made new friends very easily and just fit in wherever I was. That's kind of, that was kind of my thing, which is, you know, it turns out to be a bit of a coping mechanism. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you're like a glass of water, bro. You just go with the flow. You know, yeah. it was, it was kind of easy for me. And I always played sports and I'm, I'm somewhat handsome. So, you know. <laughs> so you knew how to mingle and move, Yeah, right? I just, you know I just. to read the room and where to go. I, I made it happen, yeah. you know. And honestly, sports were, sports were the way in yeah. for me. I was always good at baseball, basketball, and football, so it was just easy to like. People that do the same thing as you and hang out. That's, that's it, it, brother. You fit in. You find your people and you yeah. fit in, and then you find your other people and you fit in with them. The you know, um, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was a positive experience as as I remember it. You know, looking back on it, um, I don't know if I changed my mind about that at some point in my yeah. in my story or on my timeline, but you know, I feel like life now is is all about perspective that's that's just the, w the way I live my life daily. And if I look back on my timeline and it's linear and I go back to a memory in my mind, I can change it. And I can affect every memory from that point, you know, and realize that everybody around me did the best they could with what yep. they had, you know. And my mom wasn't around a lot, so my grandmother raised me in Baltimore really and truly, which is kind of how I got my start in the culinary industry. My my grandmother was always cooking. I have a ton of cousins. Mm -hmm. There was family always at her house because she was the babysitter. And the mom, really, we call her my mom. My mom is, you know, that's her yeah. name. She's she's my mom's mom, but she's everybody's mom. So let me let me interject really quick before 
everybody, some people might not know your background, right? So Jamie's a very well-known chef over here in uh, New Jersey, New York, tri-state area, right? We could we could say yeah, that. We could and say how that. many restaurants do you have right now? I have four, and I'm working on number five, which should be open in June. Oh, so then, about 60, 70 days. And then you have six, seven, eight, nine, ten lined up too, right? Right behind that. It's just a matter of you and I finding the That's location. It. You it. know, the concepts are endless in my in my mind, you cool. know? So so now that we have that, like what he does, so like, cool, let's talk about your grandma and the cooking. And, so you know, my how grandmother always had love. two, three, four pots on the stove. She was famous for her crab soup and her crab cakes. And, you know, Marilyn is crab, crab Central, Baltimore specifically. Um, she actually was the chef at an underground casino. You call her chef, quote yeah. unquote, you know. <laughs> I guess my whole family lived on the edge. I don't, you know, it's just what I was used to. It's what, it's the way you come up and you and you get used to it and it's kind of just commonplace, but um I what I really got from from my grandmother was like this this sense of like home and cooking was home for me. It was a solace. It was a way to, you know, kind of just let everything out and focus on one thing and making other people happy. You know, and after years of therapy, I came to realize that I'm yeah. I'm good at making other people happy. You know, because I think some way in turn it makes me happy, you know, and we all fight our own demons. Um, but self-worth and confidence were something that I really fought with my whole life. Believe it or not, it probably doesn't seem that way, but you never know what somebody's going through in their own mind, you know, because they can project an image or their words say something else or the way they carry themselves. But, you know, really and truly it was it was abandonment. And I remember being four years old, you know, where my dad comes and to pick me and my brother up, but he only takes my brother, mm. you know, and he looks me dead in the eyes and he's like, you're not me. You're not mine. Yeah. You know, and if I could see him right now and he was standing in front of me, I would thank him for that because there's this fire inside me that I don't know exactly where it comes from, but nobody can put it out. It's unextinguishable. And really, you know, being an addict and a, and a alcoholic for life just... It's a it's a quenchless thirst. It's a race with no finish line. It's a roof that doesn't exist. There is no ceiling in my life, in my world. And you have very similar thoughts and feelings and emotions. And that's why you and I just click. I mean, it's you know, as long as as long as it's going for good, that's all that matters. Uh, so like, just because you brought up like being an addict and alcoholic, right? And obviously. The same for me like most people think it's the substance like you know it's heroin it's alcohol it's it's pills or whatever like addiction has nothing to do with it that's just like the outcome of it that's what happens right so like what happens is like when we abstain and we no longer do those things there's still something inside of us that needs to get filled whether it's our spirit whether it's fulfillment whether it's the thoughts in our head that need to expel and stuff like that so I, I know for me, it was like, it wasn't as easy as like, cool, I stopped getting high, I stopped drinking, like automatically life got good, right? Because I'm not getting locked up, nothing's <laughs> happening, right? Maybe not everybody trusts me, but like it's right. automatically, I got a, I got a bump in pay because now I don't spend it all. So right. I have this excess. It's really fucking obvious and really good. After a while though, it takes a couple of things. It's like, I have to learn how to sit with myself. I don't have the what i thought were coping mechanisms of getting high of using drugs of like how do i get these thoughts out right so like i had to learn that and then i had to learn also how to use what i have it, like i used to look at it as a crutch like why me why do i have this disease of addiction 
how come my cousin is a fucking, you know, uh, went to Ivy League schools and lives in Franklin Lakes and all this shit, runs a bank, and I'm fucking, and I'm like, why? You know what I mean? And it was always like, why does shit happen to me? And again, mindset is like, it changed when it was like, cool, it's happened for me. Right. It's what I do. It's the biggest asset I have. Like we have our story and I think it also drives us and our passion to do whatever we do. I don't know about you, but I was a great fucking junkie. I was phenomenal (laughs) at getting high. Like day and night for years, I knew exactly how to do it. I knew what to do. I wasn't folding. I wasn't like, today I'm going to be off. You know what I mean? Unstoppable. Vacations, I knew how to pack that shit. I knew how to, you know what I mean? I could smell it in the air. Do you want to get into that? Right? I was just like phenomenal at it. So cool. I don't do that no more. And it's not, people think like you have to replace one addiction with the other, right? That's substitution. I didn't do that. I just didn't know what my purpose and drive and passion was, right? Even though there's certain things I wanted to do and I think uh similar to you is like my fulfillment comes in in this and talking to other people and helping other people and sharing our story that's kind of uh the emphasis behind this and um not to say like hey helping other people gets me out of me right because that's never the solution either but like I do feel good about it especially when there's no motive behind it and you're just genuinely you know, like just talking openly and everything, there's something that, and I think it's attractive too. I think people see the honesty in it and want to participate in whatever it is that's going on. You know? I couldn't agree more. And for me, it's like your spirit shining through when you when you help another human being that's been through or going through what you used to have to go through, the trials and tribulations, and you show them like, there is a better way. Yep. Look at us. You know, you said life got instantaneously better. It did. Mm-hmm. God bless. I mean, it just... It got better because we cleared the cobwebs a little bit and got back to who we were and found out what makes our soul sing, you know, and and for me, that was just cooking and it was a solace. It was something that I could truly do and not think about anything else. And I threw myself into it. It's funny because I never drank at work. I never did drugs at work. Mm. But as soon as my shift was over, (laughs) daddy went hard, you know, in the paint, you know, the deal. Whatever you're doing, you're going as hard as you possibly can. It doesn't matter what it is. Like you said, it's not about the drugs. It's not about the alcohol. You know, if we were throwing caps in a barrel, we would do it for seven hours Absolutely. until you hit 80 in a row. Yep. That's just the way life is. That's that's how our brain and minds work. And like you said, it's your biggest asset because it it pushes you and motivates you every day. And now you understand how to how to control that and utilize that to your advantage. And that's really the key to it. And I felt the same way, brother. Like why me you know the first time i went to rehab i was 18 and i'm like i'm not done bro i'm not even legal fucking age are you kidding me and i was thinking this shit in rehab like there for nine months you know doing push-ups laughing fucking you know just living life i had a great time truly because i got back to who i was and all these kids were were clearing up mentally and physically and spiritually and you know, I think that's such a big piece of what we got away away from in today's society is our spirit. You know, we're meant to help other people. We are meant to, you know, just be good and do good and feel good and live our life the right way. It's so much more fulfilling. It's, you know, I've I used to always think that I was missing a party or missing this or missing that or bro, there's no such thing. You know, there's nothing better than watching your kid hit a softball for the first time or run down the street or stand up and walk or, you know, those are real fulfilling moments. That's the stuff that, that's the stuff that just 
you know, that makes your spirit shine, man. That all that other shit, it's just fluff, bro. It's the Absolutely. most shallow shit on the planet. But you know, that's all I knew from the age of twelve. The first time I felt less than, I hit a drink and I was like, wow. The spirit. Wow, bro. Yeah. What is this magic potion? Mm -hmm. I drank a bottle of Goldschlager and blacked oh. out. I fucking stumbled. Of course, all your problems went away. After that. <laughs> I stumbled into Dunkin' Donuts and downed a large coffee. <clears throat> and I still, to this day, have a over acidic stomach because I burnt my esophagus all the way fucking down to the stomach lining. Because I, you know how hot Dunk's coffee are. It's blazing. You know what I mean? Fucking John Blaze stumbled in my house an hour and 40 minutes late, walked in the side door at 15 Wayne Place and fell down the basement steps. And, you know, that was the first fucking time I ever touched a drink. Crawl, Army crawled into the bathroom and vomited for 45 minutes. Came upstairs and my parents were just so like disoriented and disappointed and all that jazz like they didn't know i was didn't a bad kid because yeah. all they did was point at my friends like you're hanging with the wrong people yeah. and i was like i am the wrong no, fucking back people. then it was that it was like your friends <laughs> it's like it's really me yeah you have no idea we Their just parents need to watch out for yeah me. we egg each other yeah. on bro and i just remember my mom going off like snoopy's mother on the phone and i looked at my dad and i was like how the fuck are you married to her? <laughs> and they were just, bro, they lost it. They were like, get the fuck out of there, you know? And I remember my mom coming upstairs the next morning, like waking me up with fucking pots and pans and garbage can lids and, you know, go mow the, go mow the yard, go clean the pool, go fucking, you know, put me to work. And when you're 12, 13, there's no such thing as a hangover. No. I popped right the fuck up and went and mowed no. the lawn and got punished for a month. And, you know, that was it, bro. But I was punished my whole childhood, always and forever, but they always let me play sports, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, which is kind of where I just let all that excess energy out until I found drugs and alcohol. You know, I played up until the middle of freshman year. I remember the first time I got high, this kid, Vinny Stokes, shout out player. I don't know <laughs> what he's up to now, but God bless. Uh, we smoked on the bridge behind the high school and I was like, yo, what? And then you put alcohol and and booze together bro what a combination then you throw a little powder in there when you get a, a year older and yeah. then ecstasy hit in like what 1992 right those mitsubishi turbos come over from holland and <laughs> that's it game wow, over bro yeah. you know what i mean it was fucking every friday was like i would have a nickel bag or a dime bag of herb we would go to newark every day we went to newark every fucking day i was the one who had to go out and get get the shit because i don't know i was from baltimore i guess yeah. i understood the language better you know what i mean so nickel bag a fifth of vodka pack of newports two blunts pack of newports. what else do you That's need good, bro yeah. there was a dollar there were a dollar 90 yeah. from warico on franklin ave you know wow. and that was that was my weekend up until drugs came in and then it was all that plus that and then it you know then i was getting high every day then i was drinking four days a week you know and this is high school yeah. like <laughs> you're supposed to be in school like getting an education uh but i was getting my street education because that's that's what i was that's what i was addicted to you know it wasn't getting high off of things it was getting high period you know the adrenaline yeah. fucking stealing hood ornaments or shoplifting or whatever it was we had to be breaking the law in some way shape or form just to feel just to feel something and uh and i think you know looking back it's probably just an attention grab you know like hey guys i'm hurting inside you know i'm a scared kid hiding from my fucking dad throwing furniture you know somebody come help but 
back in those days, dude, you were just a bad kid and you got suspended. Yeah, you got pushed away. That's it. And I'm like, you're going to punish me by kicking me out of school? Yeah. How the fuck? That's not you a know punishment. You it's going to be worse, bro. right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, actually, this is what I've been waiting <laughs> yo, for. Are you time. kidding me? Suspended for three days? It's a fucking party. And once you're old enough and you just realize you don't have to listen to your parents anymore, yeah. I just stopped That's coming right. home, yeah. bro. It was like, you know, 15. There's no cell phones. How the fuck are you going to find me? Are you yeah. come get me? I can't imagine. My daughter turns 15 tomorrow. Yeah. If she was doing that shit to me, dude, I don't know how I would react. But I know I learned enough to be a good human being and a good parent and let my kids be who they are without controlling them, but showing them, you know, right from wrong in, in the most positive of ways. And my kids are nothing like me when I was a kid. I mean... The exact opposite. Yep. My daughter gets up, makes her bed, and cleans her room every day. Straight A student. Like, you couldn't catch me in class unless there was a pretty girl that I was trying to hook up with. And that's the only reason I would be there. Or I had a new shirt on or some kicks. I would come hang out in the yep. senior parking that's lot, the, bro. Like, fashion show. <laughs> that's that's what high school was say, for me. I say the same thing. My son's, uh, he'll be 12 in June. I have My daughter's going to be three next month. My son is like... Sometimes I question it because I was so bad. And it's easy for people to say I was so bad. I was so bad. I was an only child. My parents went to work all day, left me alone, you know, in the urban area. I just got into trouble. I needed attention all the time. I didn't get it from my parents, not maliciously, but just like they just weren't around. Just so life. I got it from older people. And I did a lot of stupid shit, stealing this, this, that, whatever, burning stuff. You know, I was a class clown. It was all attention. And I thrived on that feeling of like, ooh, they're laughing. Ooh, you know, I get something. You know what I mean? Ooh, they want to beat me up. Like, whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> right? But I'm getting You're attention. Getting Eyes are on you. And uh, the fact that my son's not like that blows me. He's like kind. I wasn't kind. And I know, like, when you're like, oh, kids are innocent. Like, I was an asshole. Me too. Like, I was just so mean, so nasty. I talked back. It's, it's, I was just jumping in because, like, my son is like, complete Night like day. chill like he's respectful um, everybody's like he's a great kid i'm like yeah no shit like how the <laughs> fuck did that happen? i was same way bro yeah. like gifted a gab but yeah. i didn't know how to use it to my yeah. advantage unless i was in trouble yeah and then i turned it on mm -hmm. then you become charming yeah. when you got to work your way out of a hole yeah. but to get myself in a hole yeah everybody i had the worst mouth just oh, possible especially jokes and i had a thing get it bro I knew the buttons yeah i would use everybody's shit against them yeah. all the time constantly and i you know i found out later in life it's just a defense mechanism yeah, correct you know you just you, it's fear it's fear-based it was for me yeah. and i was afraid of letting people get close because they would just leave once they loved me and found out who i really was they would run the other direction bro yeah. and that was my biggest fear so don't fucking come Same. close play dude. defense all year exactly. yo i'll spit venom in your eyes every fucking chance i get yep. you know and i still have the ability to do that but yeah. i i just i know how to control it today you know i know how to use it for good and you know i i so cool you're in high school you're getting high they're expelling you or suspending you or whatever <laughs> do you know what i mean you went to rehab do you know what i mean you did a vacation so and we talked about your cooking a little bit right so like when did you get into like how were you doing in life and when did you get you went to culinary school I'm assuming, i went to right? culinary school so in high school they had home ec class i took it four years mm -hmm. it's the only thing i really enjoyed that yeah. photography um anything like art based or design um 
I loved. That was the only time I really showed up. So I put myself on work study when I was a sophomore and I went to work at CVS. And I remember uh, Joe Zara was the vice president at the time. And he calls me down and he's like, Jamie, you haven't been in chemistry in 43 days. I was like, oh, Mr. Zara, I'm on work study. He's like, did you think to tell anybody? Yeah. Congratulations, you got a job. You got to fill out some paperwork, you yeah. know? He's like, it's probably the best thing in the world for you, but you know, that's not how things work. And uh, that's how it worked in Jamie's mind. Yeah. I was the only human being on the planet, you know, playing player number one, just walking around doing whatever the fuck I wanted, whenever the fuck I wanted. And I worked at CVS on work study. And I remember the manager, Gina, I hope this doesn't get anybody in trouble, but every Friday I would take 200 bucks out of the register and 120 uh, milligram Xanax mm -hmm. every fucking Friday, dude. So I sold pills through high school and I sold weed and everybody would smoke at my house because my parents both worked till late. So I had six or seven bongs behind my fucking couch, you know, and they would come by for me and and get high with me. Life and, of the party. Yo, that's what it was. was the, you had the center of attention. That's it. I had to, I had to be that. Yep. I couldn't be a little bit of it. I had to be all of it all the time. Yep. And um, so the home ec thing was, was cool and I really enjoyed it. And out of high school, I had no clue what the fuck I wanted to do with myself. Um, but I always worked in restaurants. My first job was at the Franklin Steakhouse wow. on Franklin Ave. I was a busboy when I was 13 and I made $10 an hour cash plus tips. I mean, I was crushing yeah, it, bro. Yeah, I was like Scrooge big. McDuck, yeah. <laughs> fucking teenagers, you know what I mean? <laughs> with no bills. Yeah, with zero bills, just yeah. swimming in it. So I always had new sneakers. I always had weed. I just, you know, like yeah. that, that's what was important to me. Fresh gear and, and drugs in my pocket, you know, and I was the guy, um, so I got fired from the Franklin Steakhouse when I was 15 for drinking behind the bar on St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. I was taking shots at Jameson. And when the owner came up to me, Johnny Mags, I was like offended. I was like, what do you mean, bro? Like, I've been drinking for years, dog. This shit ain't new. And he's like, I can lose my liquor license. Yeah. That's our whole business. You know, we have 40 employees working here. Just tell me who gave you the shots so I can fire them. Yeah. And I was like, no, they need this job more than I do. I'll get a job anywhere. And he's yeah. like, I hate to fire you, but. Clear your locker out. You're done, kid. So, you know, tail between my legs, I went and got fucked up. Because, <laughs> you know, you're yeah, celebrating or, yeah. you know, crying. Well, you win or lose, it's a celebration. Yeah, it's always oh, a celebration, Give bro. me a reason. Yeah, yeah please give me a reason. Absolutely. You know, like I need one. You left me, I'm going to go get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you hooked up with me, I need to celebrate. It's always. There, there, it, there, you do not need a reason. No. You know as well as I do. So uh, I went and worked at a local place called Scuttlebutts. It was on Center and just off of Franklin around the corner on Center Street. Uh, the family's name was Fitzsimmons and Michael was a culinary school graduate and I was a busboy there for like a year and a half. I was always late, bro. Always for everything. I went to private school uh, when I was a kid, private Episcopal school and we had church every morning. That's where class met. And my mom was late for everything, bro. Still is to this day. And I was late every day walking into church. The shame yeah. of like the door closing behind me every fucking day. I remember like it was yesterday. I was an altar boy, you know, and we got to drink the wine because it was an Episcopalian yeah. church. I remember, I remember tasting that shit, bro, when I was seven years old. Like, this is delicious, dude. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I thought, you know, at seven. That's how I was an addict and an alcoholic way before I picked up any anything any mind-altering substance there was just it was just different whether it was a fight or it didn't matter bro i was i was addicted to all of it all the time um but uh scuttlebutts 
I was never, ever on the floor where I belonged, where a busboy should be clearing tables and, you know, pouring water. I was in the kitchen. And finally, one day, Michael was like, if you're going to be in the fucking kitchen all the time, why don't you just work in the kitchen? Because we're paying you to be here. You might as well do something, you know? So that was that. He showed me how to cook, and it started from there. Mashed potatoes, and, like, he used to have this dope chicken dish. It was uh, a pounded stuffed breast with roasted peppers and um, manchego cheese with, like, a pepper cream sauce and these crispy onions on top with mashed potatoes. The dude was a great cook, bro, for, like, for what that was, I mean, his food was delicious. Um, and I got, you know, the basics from him. And then after high school, college was not for me, as you could as you could plainly see. So I moved up to Boston with my brother. He went to Emerson. And um, I got a job at a restaurant that he was working at called Sophia's. Um, it was a Spanish tapas lounge that had live music every night. And, you know, I sold ecstasy and marijuana for two years when i lived with him and we lived in a four four story penthouse because our <laughs> my brother's roommate's dad patented a pentium processor chip oh, wow so we had it our we had I actually nine, know what that is because we I had a put them in yeah you know that we had a 911 turbo and a qx4 with 23 inch rims and a system so i you know same shit continued that. yep. that's it i never there was never consequences i never got really yeah. in trouble you know life was a party and uh, when my brother graduated school, I moved back in with my parents. And my dad was like, you're not going to have any direction. You're not going to live here just yeah. fucking off like you've been doing your whole life. You love cooking. Go to culinary school. And uh, turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I went to culinary school. I graduated second in my class with the worst attendance in the history of the school. <laughs> and, you know, the rest is somewhat history. I worked in the city at various restaurants for 14 years. I did my externship at a French Moroccan bistro called Cafe Central in the MetLife building, and it was a big, busy-ass bistro, and I got my fucking dick kicked in every single day. I would be, you know, in the fucking bathroom crying at the end of the night. Just, just, I was way, I was, I was in way over my head. I did my externship there, so I had to do, I think, 400 hours, but I was already working there. So I, at that point, I couldn't afford to keep up with the Joneses and not get paid for an yeah. externship. You know, like every 19-year-old, I probably had $30,000 in credit card yeah. debt already and shit because, you know, I was out every day, everywhere, all the time, always always wearing new shit. You know, it's just who I job. was. <laughs> it, it, primary, a, that's the primary job. It's a full-time job, yeah. bro, to keep up, you know? And um, tremendous experience. Really, truly tremendous my chef's name was Frank Delatrain, and he was born in Italy and grew up in France and uh, went to culinary school in, in Switzerland. The guy was just a fucking mega talent, and he took me under his wing. And I, you know, I really actually listened and learned. And when I left there, I was like a, a cook that could stand up in any kitchen. Um, but he would break my tools, throw them in the garbage, <laughs> call me a piece of shit, yeah. you know, tell me what he really thought about me because I still didn't take it seriously. I was, I dated any person in any female on the wait staff or, yeah. you know, I thought that was part of my salary. And I, <laughs> and I fucking went out with them every night. We partied every night. And then I would drive home, drive into school every day. I had fake ID. My brother was older. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had a duplicate license, you know, to deal with that. Yeah, five and bucks. It was a real fucking, it was yeah. a real New Jersey driver license. 
In fact, later <laughs> when I got a DUI, I fucking got arrested as my brother, and I had to tell them like halfway through booking, like it's really me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> it's Jamie, not Eric. And at that point, he had already moved to Baltimore. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty wild. But um, from Cafe Centro, I jumped around a little bit. Um, I actually got fired because I was late. Mm -hmm just constantly late bro it was it was it was like my mo you know like my time was more important than everybody else's and um you know that that paints a picture of the way i thought and the way i approached everything that my time's more important that i'm more important that you know the buck stops with me and the party starts when i get there yep. you know that's that's how i thought about everything in life and my feelings were really hurt bro when i got fired because i loved frank and he let me slide 50 times, dude, legit, no joke. Cause I was coming from school 90% of the time, mm -hmm. you know? And he knew when I wasn't on the weekends, he's like, you don't have class on Saturday. Why are you fucking 25 minutes late every Saturday? Why can't you just be on time? And his boss, Peter Weiss, tried to fire me a hundred times, literally. And Frank just protected me every time. And then they finally transferred me to Brasserie eight and a half on 57th street. And, uh, my second day of work, I was late, and the chef's like, this is. he's like, Frank told me you were late all the time, and I told you before you even started, bro. You're late, you're done. Second day of work, boom, got shit canned, and, you know, probably drank <laughs> no, sure. until I couldn't fucking see. I don't even remember it, but, you know, that's that's just the way it was. And um, I ended up working at Fashino in Montclair. Uh, Ryan DePerzio is a... Nutley graduate, yep. fellow okay. chef, super successful, close personal friend of mine. I would see him on the bus all the time. Uh, he worked at John George, mm -hmm. and I worked at Cafe Central, and we would take the 1138 home, and I would see him, mm -hmm. you know, three, four times a week. Yeah. And um, I was like, whenever you're ready, bro, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And when he, you know, his family found a spot, and they had a concept and a menu, he hired me. I was the opening... Uh, sous chef or chef de cuisine whatever you want to call it and we had a good run there bro and somewhere in there i i, I went to rehab and stopped drinking for a year i don't remember where abouts it was but you know i've i've had a couple vacations tune ups <laughs> change four. the oil rotate the tires yeah, send them back I think out. i've had four or five trips you know to school to college mm -hmm. um it didn't stick until i was 27 um you know, my daughter was one and a half. We were living with my parents and my wife was pregnant with our second kid and I lost, I lost the job. And um, I just remember coming home on the bus and picturing my wife's face. You know, people relied on me at this point in my life. It wasn't just me being a stupid teenager fuck up. You know, now I was a dad and these humans didn't ask to be brought into this scenario and situation. And I remember coming home and I walked in the door and it was a time that I shouldn't be home, you know? And Krista looked me dead in the eyes and she's like, you got fired, didn't you? And I was like, yep. And that was it, bro. That was my sober date was 1-1-10, one, one, mm. January 1st, 2010. You had to wait for New Year's to be over. You're like, look, I got to Yeah, I went hard on New Year's and that's the reason I got fired. Yeah. I went up, uh, at that time I was the chef at the Aventi Hotel and, uh, we had a roof deck. No, I'm sorry, not the Aventi. Um, across the street from, it'll come to me. 
That's how much I valued that job, huh? <laughs> but New Year's Eve, I went upstairs. We had a roof deck and we had a big party that night. I drank two bottles of tequila and I blacked out. Oh, and, do it. Um, they showed me video later on. I was groping all the cocktail waitresses and shit. And when I came in the next day, I was five and a half hours late. On top of it. <laughs> Should have just stayed at that point. I was five and a half hours stayed. late. And as soon as I walked in the door, the GM's <clears> like, uh, Jamie, you know, we have uh, ownership and HR on the phone. We're going to do a, we're going to do a group call and walked in the office, did a call. And Jeffrey was like, Jamie, you have a real problem and we have it all on camera and we've talked to everybody already. We can't have you on property anymore. You're a liability, yep. but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for you to go to rehab and I'm going to nice. pay you while you're in rehab. We're going to keep you uh, on staff and uh, change my life, change my life. I didn't drink for 11 years and um, not everybody knows this, but uh, about a year and a half ago, I was at a wedding and I ordered a ginger ale and got a gin and tonic mm. and, um, <clears throat> and I drank it. And I had been served drinks accidentally twice before that, but I spit it out. Yeah. So I never felt any type yeah. of way about it. It just happened. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was not a conscious yeah. decision to, to, to alter my state of mind. This one I drank and it just so happened that my wife wasn't with me because my daughter got sick that morning. So mm. she couldn't come to the wedding and it was in Connecticut and I was around different people, but I had one drink and I didn't drink again. Nobody for, would know. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Except I got in my car and drove home, but I knew yeah, and the, the little problem. demon inside me knew. Mm -hmm. And then seven months later, I was in a similar scenario. I was um, at a place called the rabbit hole, which is in blue steel pizza. Mm -hmm. They do these tasting menus up in the back and um, with cocktail pairings. And I thought the chef knew that I didn't drink. So they mm -hmm. were making mocktails for me. First drink was not a mocktail. Yeah. And I sat there through the seven course and I drank every drink. And then I stayed with my boy and had seven more drinks after that. And that was the second time I drank in, in fucking 12 years. And I had 14 drinks. And I, in my mind, I was not even affected. Yeah. Literally, I was like, yo, I'm good. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. It's actually working out. I was like, I'm pretty I'm fucking cured. Yo, I'm good at this now. So um, I didn't drink again. I didn't even think about it. Came home, wife was sleeping. Mm. At that point, I had all the trust in the world back. Yeah. Parents loved me, you know, like nobody questioned anything I did. It was all good. At that point, I had three restaurants, you know, yep. and I had built my whole life sober. It's kind of all I really knew, yep. you know, one foot in front of the other. Just don't pick up, you know, and it worked and it worked well. Um, and I didn't drink again after that second time for, I don't know, three or four months. And then I had another drink and then I was like, yo, I'm actually, I'm, I'm fine now. Like I could just drink socially. But at the same time, the time frames in between drinks are getting shorter and shorter, shorter and shorter. So three months went to three days, went yep. to day of, went to bottles in my house. Yep. And that's very recently. I'm sitting here in front of you 22 days sober, Good, man. Congrats, which is, man. thank you, brother. But it's hard for me to say out loud in this, yeah. in this, because not everybody knows that, yeah. but I went to a dark place real fucking quick. Once I thought that I was good, I was too good Of course, for my own good and shit got bad real fast. And, you know, my wife just said to me flat out, she's my biggest fan, bro, loves me more than I love myself. And she said to me flat out, I don't want you to die. And that hit me. And it, it was a different, it was a different way that she approached me 
for the past year and a half. Finally, I came clean to her and told her what yeah. was going on because, you know, sometimes in between the first drink and the last drink, I wouldn't come home for three days at a yeah. clip. And it wasn't just drinking. It was other stuff. And once you open the door, it's whatever's available. Correct. It's, you know, how high can I get? Yep. And, you know, it started to bleed into other parts of my life. And I would miss meetings and not show up for my friends and family mm -hmm. and, you know, make excuses. I'm sick. It's whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I just started the whole addict yeah. behavior again, bro. You know, and um, it snowballed quickly. And it ended with me having uh just getting very sick thank god i did mm -hmm. and um i i woke up and literally physically and spiritually i called my wife i wasn't home at the time i was dog sitting in a friend's apartment he was in london and i was like babe i want to come home i'm done yeah and she said we want you here we love you come home yeah. and i did and I took a shower and I went to my doctor's office and got a shot of Vivitrol. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's fucking, it's the most amazing thing on the planet. It it basically takes cravings and desires away. I don't know how the fuck it works, but it works. It works. And I went, I got that shot that day and I went to a meeting and I went to another meeting the next day. And, you know, I went to a meeting last night and I'm just back. And I, I feel better than ever. And I'm, I'm truly blessed that my bottom was so high yep. and I didn't have to lose anything. You know, that's unheard of. Yeah. It could have been a lot fucking worse, uh, brother. Most stories uh, keep going until the wheels fall off. Yep. I mean? And I just looked myself dead in the eye and said, my kids and family do not deserve this. And a lot of people rely on me now, yep. bro. You know, I got 90 employees like. They need paychecks every yeah. week, brother. You know, like that's that's a big fucking deal. And that's a lot of responsibility. And I think that's part of what took me out too. When shit was too good, you get high. When shit was too bad, you get high. It's it's tricky because most people think like, you know, like I always had a reservation when I first got clean was like, uh, cool, I could do everything. But if my dad passes away, I don't know if I could do it. If I get married, you're telling me I can't have a drink. There are all these self-imposed you know, rite of passage things, right? How to deal, how to cope and everything. And, um, you know, I started hearing other people losing a significant others or events happening, and they didn't do that, and they had a better time, and they know how to cope with it. So I, I had to learn all that stuff too, but, like, it's crazy because, like, we'll paint a picture of, like, what's celebratory or what's grieving and had to add something with it. And listen, most people do. We are not unique. 90% of the people in the world do some sort of coping mechanism, right? right? Um, I know for me, I utilize the phone. I utilize people like you. I'll call other people. I do it right away. I talk. I let it out. It might not be the solution, but it opens the door to just it getting out of my brain. Because I got to drain this shit, man. This shit's a fucking swamp up here, no right? I got to drain it. the swamp. Like, <laughs> I'd get locked up if you guys found out what was going on in my head. You know what I mean? Like, Forever. lots of times, a lot of people get murdered. Forever, robbed, bro. You know what I mean? I'll show you a lot of that, right? <laughs> Still to this day. Sickness, um, dude. But I know, like, when I, when I let it out, raise my hand, or or write it in whatever aspect, like automatically. The thing is, most people want the solution automatically to just the pressure got relieved and I feel better. And then I could figure out the solution. I could right. play the tape a little bit so we don't get, uh, we don't get stuck over there. But, uh, that was just funny how it's a scary place to, to get stuck, brother. Yeah. 
scary place to get especially stuck. Especially when we're doing like when we're doing good in life and and we're becoming successful and and you know giving back to the like all these things that you 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 give you start i know for me like I'll, I'll i'll be in places and everybody's drinking and everybody's celebrating and doing other stuff and like i'm cool with it but once in a while i'm like am i the only one not drinking am i the only one like and i don't feel any more a sense of like i don't belong i feel i have an advantage you know what i mean right because like i'm not in that crazy you know stratosphere of just like right like i i think my spidey senses are better i could you know what I mean? Like I can read the room and everything, but it's still the Great Gatsby. It's <laughs> it's still once in a while. Do you know what I mean? No it's just about like, it. you know, I've learned how to like uh figure out who I am, love myself. Like, you know, uh there was no way I was ever dancing or going to a club or anything without drinking or getting high. It just wasn't happening. No I didn't way. know how to do it. And like I'll go to places now and me and my wife are dancing and they're like, Wow, you get crazier than and you're sure you don't drink and i'm like yeah and it's not to prove anything i just you know don't give a fuck what yeah, anybody thinks your true self yeah and i think like i always searched for that because i always wanted um attention admiration people to love me and you know the deal like the fact is like you don't love yourself so nobody's going to love you like people will love you right but like not in the sense that you need to fill that you know what i mean with yourself so you know, finding self-worth, finding out the why. And the why is like a fleeting, chasing thing forever. People are like, what's your why? And it's like, yeah, cool. But like, it's not going to be the same thing a year from now, a month from now. It It's constantly changing. And, uh, but I do want to know one thing, like, uh, and you were sharing it too before, which is like giving back, helping others. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fulfillment in that, telling our story and, uh, you know, building a, a better community with people like that, I think, uh, is one of the, at least one of those holes in, 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 in myself. And I'm sure you too gets filled and it, it becomes better for everybody around. It's Absolutely. a domino effect. If we're great to ourselves, everybody else, uh, feels it. I remember when I first got clean, right. And it was like, it was like getting clean is the most self-centered thing you could fucking do for yourself and selfish and i'm like wow that's pretty shitty to say right <laughs> i'm like so i have to be selfish they're like in every fucking aspect and they're like you can't help anybody or do anything if you don't take care of you first right and i was like nah that's not true you know you you fight it. what of about course. my kids that's the first thing what about my kids my kids come first and they're like no your kids don't come first your parents your job nothing whatever you put in front of it will disappear it's not going to happen just like that, but it'll disappear. Once I found that up and I like, cool, I had to work on me and figured it out. It was crazy because like the blessings just keep on coming. You know stop. I mean? Yep. Because you're open to it now. Yep. And that's all you're focused on. And you know as well as I do, you know, what you think and what you feel is what you become mm -hmm. and what you manifest. And I'm pretty sure that you picked up on the fact that I was avoiding your phone call at all costs. Of course. And when I was reaching out to you on Instagram, is that yeah. fucking 4.30 in the morning? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, did you just drink too much coffee tonight? While brother? I was in Idaho. <clears throat> and I'm like, wait, this guy's hitting me up at 4.30? <laughs> this guy's hitting me at 4.30 yeah. in the morning. Like, got to talk now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then the next day, not answering my phone call. Yeah, like, because yeah. you feel like an ashamed piece of shit. Of course. But that I had to deal with on my own, you yeah. know, because... There's just certain things that you're afraid to talk about, you know, my partner with or mm -hmm. my wife yep. doesn't comprehend the way my brain works. Yep. She's good at 
helping me now because she comes from a place of love and yeah. only love and through work in the program and therapy and just nonstop therapy, you know, during the pandemic, dude, she had a therapist, I had a therapist and we were going to marriage counseling. Yeah, I mean, bro, it a lot was, of time on your head. <laughs> bro, it was rough. I yeah. went from a thousand miles an hour to zero dead stop, you know, and I'm not used to that. So I had to find a way to deal with myself, which is what you said before. Okay. And that shit hit home. When I first got sober, bro, I couldn't sit on the couch for 20 seconds oh. and watch TV. No. I could sit on I my would, hands. Bro, I would shake yeah. out of like, you know, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to do, gotta do something, something, bro. Yeah. I got to do something. So, you know, that was actually a good thing that COVID actually pushed me to start a catering end of, <laughs> of yeah. my business. So Saddle River Catering was yeah. born. Which kind of, you know, faded away after everything came back to normal. But, you know, it, it showed me that I can start something on my own and, yep. and make it make it great. You know, which it's really hard for me to accept those types of things. I I, I know even looking back, I was talking to my therapist on Monday about it. Last Monday. I'm sorry, last Thursday, and I just I don't know, there's something about looking back and realizing that you've accomplished something. You know, it's hard for me to to visualize that stuff. I just, I kind of take it in stride. Like, oh, it's automatic. I have to do it. You know, I really need to look at those things and start start giving myself a little bit of of graciousness, of, yeah. you know, a little pat on the back is not a bad thing. You Listen, know? I learned not too long ago, too, like, <clears throat> celebrate all the wins. Like, we as a society don't celebrate wins because sometimes we care what other people think. Look, I grew up, don't let nobody know anything close the blinds don't buy nice shit don't, don't answer the door no money <laughs> don't show watch card like you know what i mean like yeah. hide 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 they're gonna be spiteful they're gonna and like i don't live by that anymore it's not flex 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 right it's just like no i'm proud of the accomplishment for me i'm fucking impressed by the shit i do for me i'm not trying to impress you if you're impressed that's cool I, like do you understand where the that. fuck i came from i love that like i came from a fucking urban area in and out of jails 18 felonies like all you're telling me i shouldn't i should chill the fuck out like <laughs> i shouldn't be here why shouldn't i fucking like like i'm proud like when i get a new car when i list I, man I, I lost my license for eight years how am i getting a new fucking Same car way, you know seven what I mean? years and how four am i months. pushing this shit and the thing should be like <clears throat> don't fucking judge me ask me how you get it because i'm gonna tell you growing up nobody would tell you how to do it you remember that nice car? They're Hell like, yeah, yeah, just work hard. And you're like, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking, well, I'm working harder than you, motherfucker. Yeah, right. right. So, like, I think the times change, too, where, like, information is so available. And Listen, I've also learned, like, gracious people are, are grateful, right? And they're like, give information. I knew, like, anybody comes up to me. Not I ain't nobody in the sense of, like, but, like, if I have a car and they, like I talk to them, I take the time out, especially young kids and shit. And I'm like, bro, you could get this too. This is what I did. If I could do it, you could do it. And I think the leading by example thing and talking to people and taking time out, I get fulfillment in that. And the best is when you hear somebody like, yo, I talked to you. This I remember your story. And you're just like, I don't even remember. And I feel bad. And then you're like, yo, that's what uh, touched one fucking person. And they executed on top of it. Like that's, there's no money, car, women, there's nothing, 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 nothing. And it's not ego, like, yeah, look at me. It's like, wow, they fucking listened to me. Like, nobody listened to me. You know what I mean? I like, have teachers DM me from high school, yeah. like, I can't believe yeah. what's happened to you in your life. Truly. You know, every, I, I would fight with teachers nonstop. 
because I nobody could tell me what to do. No, you would do the opposite just to do the opposite. Listen, there was the yearbook, right? And it was like most most likely to succeed. I'm like most likely to do drugs and go to jail, right? And I knew it. I knew that was my outcome. I wasn't like fuck you. I was like you're probably right, right? I'd like growing up, it was like you're either a gangster slash junkie or you're a fucking copper construction. And I was like, eh, construction is a little too much fucking work for me. And cops, <laughs> I don't like you guys. I'm yeah. like, this is so much easier. And we romance the gangster yeah, life, bro. Course. Like Everywhere. Coming up in Baltimore, I looked up to the drug dealers, yeah. bro, because they bought ice cream for the kids. They were the nicest guys. Like, ice cream yeah. truck comes by. They yeah. always had the fresh kicks. Yeah. They always had the watch. Yeah. And they're always All the buying girls ice cream them, for the kids, right? dude. Cars, yeah. everything. I mean, you romance the gangster yeah. life, even still today. I yeah. mean, that's what... People look up to that shit. It's yeah, crazy. But, you know, we're the good guy gangsters now. Yeah. You know, just living life right, doing the right things, one foot in front of the other, you know, and and going going to sleep feeling good and waking up feeling yeah. good, bro. There's something about that, like the clear headedness in a, in a positive sense. You know what I mean? Where you're not foggy. <clears throat> look, man, we get to, like, we were always, like, you know how most people, like, deal with change? Like, we actually get to make change, which is crazy. You know what I mean? It's, like, like, I, um, so, like, I remember, like, growing up, like, you know how you're, like, this is your destiny or, like, this is just what you're made for? Like, you just accepted some shit, whatever it was Absolutely. taking you, right? And you're, like, cool, like... People I was the bad kid. Yeah, like, I'm going to rock that black sheep. Here I come, <laughs> right? I'm going to be the best black Underdog, sheep. Underdog, baby. Best yeah, fuck everything. yeah. So, like, you know, it's crazy because it's like, once you switch that mindset to, like, not what happens to you, what happens for you, everything's an opportunity. You get to dictate exactly how you want your life to go. The direction, it might not go, like, this way and this way. It's going to, you know, fucking life entrepreneur type shit is like this, right? But you're going to get there. Right. So like once I got out of my own fucking way and I realized that and people are like, oh, you think you could do I'm like, yo, I could do anything like I don't need to have all the resources. I just need to be resourceful. Like if I want a fucking restaurant, I'm going to talk to you. I don't want to <laughs> do this. I'm going to talk to this guy. And if I don't, I'm going to go find him. It's the same thing I did with drugs. It's not a biggest. <laughs> this project's just shut down because the cops are there. I'm going to go to Prince Street. I'm going to go whatever. It's the same Thing. I just didn't know how to channel my energy and very compulsive and very like, you know, fucking on where now I could just like slow it down, understand my thoughts, uh, juggle or fucking weigh and see, is this really good motive and intention or is this, you know, uh, fulfilling, you know, some bullshit that I have of instant gratification. Right. right? And so, you know, it's, uh, look, I'm just excited because I really believe I'm like, I just begun. You know what I mean? Like, so true. Amen. I'm so curious for life. You're one of the only dudes and I what's... know that tells me to aim higher. Yep. Because every time I tell people what my aspirations or dreams are, they're like, that's insane. Yeah. And if people aren't telling you your dreams aren't crazy, you're not dreaming big enough. Brother. That's it, man. That's it. That's it, right? Yeah. So dream bigger. Yeah, and that's you're... that's one of the reasons I look up to you because... I'll say something and you'll be like, why 80 million? <laughs> I mean, if Put you're going to another zero on it, brother, it takes the, the same amount of work. Like when we watch movies as kids and shit, and if their dreams and their ideas, they're this enormous fucking thing. Why are we like, nah, that's not realistic. I hate that fucking word. It's not realistic. Or oh, are you sure? Like, here comes doubt. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Now I got to be careful who I tell because they're going to shoot it down. And, right. this. You, and it should be more like, listen, 
I'm a little squirmy, but fuck it. Let's go. You Let's know what go. I mean? Let's make it happen. And it's for good shit. It's not like, hey, you want to rob this bank? <laughs> it's like good stuff. We'd probably I mean? be good at that too, bro. I mean, but yeah, no doubt about it. So like being more selective with the people, listen, it's the balance, right? There's people I love that are just like cool where they're at, right? And there's other people that are like, I need them in my life to push. And they don't just come knocking on your door like, hey, we're here to push. You ready? Like, you have to curate it. You have to no give doubt. to and everything. And so it is because I don't want to push people to the side because I'm, I'm uh, you know, ambitious or or, or just like, I'm, I really believe I'm just like, like, just very eager for life. You know what I mean? But you do have to be careful who you tell your stuff to because... You, especially with like I, I speak very open and freely, and I get real excited. And the worst is like, yo, are you fucking serious? I'll be like, like I'll, I go back to fucking eight years old as a little kid. Like, dad, did you just say I'm no good? Like, I go to that oh really my fucking God, quick. Bro. That hits home. And it's just like it's not like oh I can't do that. It's all of a sudden it's just like I can't do anything. Like, and I'm being dramatic with it, but it really boils yeah, down. Yeah, but to I that. know exactly where if you're coming I hear that from. Shit a lot. It's fucking, it's cancerous. I'm the it's same, crazy. bro. Even like, I'll cook for somebody, nope. and I'll be like, is that any good? And they'll laugh at me like, yeah. bro, do you know who you are? And I'm like, I'm Jamie Not. I'm nobody. Mm -hmm. I'm just getting started. In fact, I don't even know if I've started the race yeah, yet. Correct. Yeah. That's where I feel like I am every day when mm -hmm. I wake up. And people look at us like, stop, yeah. bro. Come on. And I think that's why I have a problem celebrating the wins, because mm -hmm. I never want to feel like I made it. Cause I don't know where it is and I don't know what I'm trying to make, but, but I just want to be great. But you still have to celebrate them. Listen, there's different levels of celebration. You got to right? show me, bro. You have to let people know, and especially yourself so that you equate an emotion to it, right? Like, damn, I passed this. Damn, I did this. Damn. That doesn't mean you're throwing parties every fucking day, okay. right? But you celebrate it and you let people, you, like, look, me and, and my partner, did, like, we high five, like, yeah, small. You know, I had nothing but small wins last week. And last week didn't start off very good, right? And I was like, cool, no big ones. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. I went into all the different places. Boom, boom, boom. This week continued. At the end of the week, we're like, yo, we got a lot of fucking wins. You know what I mean? We, and we celebrated. Like, yeah, I check up on how you doing? fucking great me too cool this is what i did we check we go down you know what i mean we're just right. talking and like those are the like celebrate little wins tomorrow let's go i'm ready now you have momentum now you're like i right. guess i gotta call you more cool. <laughs> <laughs> it goes both ways you gotta right? teach me old wise man i yeah. need to learn brother wow. but that's why people like us need to spend time together yeah. and have conversations yeah, man. that's what this is about right absolutely it was it was a pleasure oh, bro i don't know no. if we Thank if our you. hour has come to an end i'm but sure he's scared to come in here but i'm sure what are you 500 an hour brother yeah, how many more therapists like, can i pay after the first hour is fucking <laughs> listen thank you again for stopping by you know what i mean this is our first one you know what i mean i'm excited about the next one already and also continue the conversation i and, can't uh, wait bro you know i look see what else you got man. lined up so Word thank up, you man. i appreciate thank it you. my pleasure <laughs> cool